You're listening to another episode of the Cowboy Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Sharp, joined by co-host Chad Waldron. Hey, Justin. Looking forward to this interview. In fact, we've been planning this for about uh, eight months now, I believe. Yeah. And today's special guest, past Northlake FFA president and current program manager and fiscal administrator at the Lake County Umbrella Watershed Council, Colleen Withers. So, Colleen, uh, this will be a good episode because Mr. Waldron nor I know a whole lot about the Watershed Council, and we have a lot to learn, too. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to start us off. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm really excited to be with you guys as well. Like Mr. Waldron mentioned, um, we've been planning this since uh, pre-COVID times, and it's been between COVID and uh, Lake County wildfires and all kinds of activities in 2020 where I'm really happy to finally get to do this with you guys and share some information about the Watershed Council. So my name is Colleen Withers and I currently live in Paisley and my husband and I uh, ranch and then I work, I say I work part-time, but it's, it's kind of a, I, I, I work three quarter time for the Lake County Umbrella Watershed Council. Yeah, we were going to do a podcast, I think it was the second week of March, and you were the next on the list, and the next thing we knew, school got canceled, and we couldn't podcast right away anymore, so I'm definitely glad we're finally doing this. But uh, So how did you get onto the Lake County Watershed Council? Because that's one thing I was curious about, is I know the Soil and, Ir- yeah, is it soil and Irrigation District? Or soil and, uh, soil and water conservation conservation district. Is, okay yep yeah. i was close um i know that's people get elected to that that one's on the ballot is the watershed council the same thing it's not so um we actually have a very unique watershed council in that we have a have our group our, our council which is all voluntary just voluntary local residents and Unlike other watershed councils in the state who typically have uh, a central office and and uh, have staff uh, within their budgets and, and it's kind of an actual program, we as the Lake and Umbrella Watershed Council get to contract all of our labor and we contract our staff. So I'm actually considered an independent contractor and I have my own business and it's called slide mountain solutions and the watershed council has contracted services and it's the same for who i call my co-workers um it's the same for our other project managers we've got two project managers and then i am the the fiscal administrator and the program manager and initially after graduating college i taught fifth and sixth grade at paisley school for a year and kind of was looking for a little more autonomy within the in the workplace and then my first love is ranching so I was at school from anywhere eight to 12 hours a day teaching and coaching and and doing all the things that uh, nobody thinks that teachers do <laughs> and, um, realizing that I was kind of going to be looking for something else and the watershed council I actually had my husband's grandfather was on the council at the time and they had recently gone from managing five to six projects a year to eight to ten projects a year and they had two contracted staff members at the time and they were realizing that their education program and their education goals were starting to slip to the back burner so they 
contacted me and actually asked if it's something, uh, if it was a part-time position that I would be interested in taking on their education program. So it was kind of a great way for me to still be around education and youth, but I was mostly able to continue to work from home and then still ranch and, and help my family out uh, ranching. So um, it was kind of kind of just all fell into place. And then from there, we've I've kind of taken on more and more as the council's grown. And as I've just gained more experience in the position, it's it's a really great group to be a part of. And so I've I've kind of taken on on more and more as they've needed me to. Nice. So we're going to get into what you do specifically for the Watershed Council. But first, um, what is a Watershed Council in general and uh, why do they exist and kind of just what are they op- what are their operations? Sure. So before I go into what a Watershed Council is, I always like to talk about what a watershed is because there's a lot of misconceptions about what a what a watershed is and when i tell people that i work for our local watershed council it is really funny to see the look on their faces it's kind of like you know somebody says they're some kind of engineer and and the person they're talking to really kind of smiles and but still has no idea what it is you actually do (laughs) (laughs) and so i always like to talk about what a watershed is because the misconception is that it's just about water that we focus on water and fish Uh, but a watershed is an entire area of land and all of that land drains into one place or a common water body. Another way we like to think about a watershed is that it's ridge top to ridge top, all of the land and that includes water, but it also includes people and wildlife and livestock and communities. It's, it's a holistic unit that deserves to be looked at holistically and managed holistically. So we we like to say the area between between two ridge tops. So a council, a watershed council, is a group of an voluntary residents. So our council is made up of six members and they all live in Lake County. Our group right now, because of Lake County's uniqueness, is basically a group of farmers and ranchers and which is a great thing to have as as our managing board of directors because they really understand lake county and they're really great business people and they understand that uh we are we're very unique in lake county and i'll get to that too but basically um our board oversees watershed management in the county and the way they do that is they've hired three of us and they've contracted three staff members to carry out that watershed management. And we as staff seek out and obtain grant funding to do watershed enhancement, watershed restoration projects throughout the county for landowners. And we kind of oversee the implementation of the projects and then we monitor the projects to make sure that they actually work. So the reason we exist and we're like, I keep going back to Lake County's unique, which makes us a unique watershed council. We are, we contract our labor, which like other watershed councils in the state definitely don't. They have, 
an office or they share an office building, they um, we're, we're able to kind of contract, which keeps our overhead costs really low. And that means if we have a low overhead cost that all of our money or most of our money can go to the project itself. And a lot of watershed councils tend to take on more of a, they kind of either stand on a political platform or they act as a liaison between agencies, natural resource groups, and landowners. And they might fill that role by, let's say, writing a letter of support for a group or helping really focus on public education about watershed health and things like that. And one thing that I think is really great about our council is that we really try to focus on on the ground project work. How much money can we get and allocate most of it to the project itself, to local contractors, to, um, you know, it's little, little we can spend overhead wise and actually get something truly accomplished with money is <laughs> it's harder than it sounds, but it's something that we do really try to focus on as a group. And Lake County is 8,000 square miles. It's a lot of, of land to manage. Yes. So we're kind of unique in, in that area. There's also a lot of public lands. And so we do kind of fulfill this liaison role, but it's okay. Let's pick a landscape and we're not just working with private landowners. We work with the public agencies to get get a project accomplished across these property boundaries. You know, you know so many private landowners that have a creek on their land, but that creek starts on public land or maybe vice versa, or it cuts through public land and then cuts back into private and goes back into public. And that's where our project managers really play that key role in getting everybody on the same page, oftentimes even funding from the local public agencies that um, we can get something accomplished from the stream head clear down to the water body and the meadow system. So that's kind of a, I always like to stress, I guess, that that we are a bit different and, and that doesn't make us any better or worse than other watershed councils. But it definitely makes things really efficient. And I think that is one of the reasons we try to try to work so much with with landowners and promote the fact that we are a nonprofit group and not a government agency. A lot of our funding does come from the state. And that's a, that's kind of a misconception that people oftentimes think that we may be a government agency, but we're we're a nonprofit and we can you know, play that, play a very different role and help our landowners out differently. Yeah. So when you say that you're kind of, that you're contracted on, is that similar to like, I know my dad's done work for the watershed council before building fence. Is that the same kind of contracting basically? Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. I'm, I'm no different than, than your dad as far as um, in the watershed council size as a, as a contractor. And it's, it's a unique situation sometimes it would be more beneficial for us to be actual staff um, just because, you know, when we think about buying office supplies and things like that, um, you know, it, it kind of gets a little tricky and there's only so much we as independent contractors, we can, you know, write some things off for, for our own personal businesses, but it does get a little tricky, but. So um, do you have to have your contractor's license then? 
Uh, we have we carry a liability policy. Oh, I don't okay. we don't have a license, but we do have to carry our own liability policy. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I know that um, you do quite a few projects around the county. What kind of things are you doing specifically right now in the drought times then? So as far as the drought times go, all of our goals, all of our projects are basically shaped around Lake County's unique conditions. And Lake County is notorious for extremely high water flows in the spring. And then about this time, uh, non-existent, yeah. <laughs> non-existent <laughs> flows. Um, so that's kind of part of our projects in that we, there's a lot of engineering and design that goes into our projects that help uh, landowners during dry times or even just slower times. And one of our, our, our other uh, part of our operation is that we're focused on helping fish wildlife the 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 resource at hand or uh, the resource that that uh, our state funders feel needs protection but where we try to succeed is that we create a win-win scenario for our landowner and those other resources and one of that one of the aspects of the of the win-win scenario for a landowner is irrigation efficiency so any project that we do that is in stream we are not only looking to perhaps uh, stabilize the stream bank for ha- for aquatic habitat, install a fish screen or something to help the fish um, be able to travel and access stream habitat, but the landowners in mind as well. And if we can improve efficiency, irrigation efficiency, for example, for a landowner, in dry times, they're getting the absolute best use they can out of their out of their water for our, our working landscapes. So you're trying to conserve water, use it, and then also provide nice habitat for wildlife too, all at the same time. Right, right, that, and the best habitat. That sounds like a pretty hard task. <laughs> it, is, it is. Yeah. But you know, there's there's so much information out there, and we work with a lot of great uh, the engineers we work with really understand Lake County's uniqueness and that we're not, we're, we've got to create that win-win scenario or we won't succeed that the landowner and the resources at hand need to be kept in mind throughout all the projects. Yeah. So what kind of hoops do you have to jump through for regulation to do that? Cause I know with a lot of projects like this, that the fish and wildlife and they do, there's the numerous studies that go into things before they do the project. So do you have to do things like that to get them approved or what does that process look like? We do. I, I, I do believe it's less rigorous than some of our partners. You know, some of our public agencies, they'll they'll run projects through us because we have less hoops to jump through. A lot of our grant funding and our grant applications, a lot of the permitting and things like that is kind of done through the application process. And when we uh, have engineers and things like that working on the projects as well, as we almost always do, uh, they handle a lot of that, um, a lot of that work for us. There's been a couple times, like for example, we've done a couple cultural resource um, surveys and, and things like that, and we just write it into our grant, and we're able to to pay for it and get it done just through our our contract labor. Oh, nice. Uh, what kind of projects are you doing currently? Then, are there any big ones going on? Yeah, there's there's been a lot in the last couple of years, so. We've recently restructured. Formerly, we had um, one project manager, and our project managers are they're 
they're the real heroes of the organization. They're the ones who write the grants, seek the grants out, oversee the implementation, hire the contractors, do the monitoring, work with the landowners. They're like the the Superman of, of the group. And we've for, only recently, um, till about last year, we had um, one. And um, she took on a different position in a different county. And we've split her position into two. And it's working really well for us so we have a project manager who focuses on the uplands and we have a project manager who focuses on stream and riparian and there's two huge projects going on with which each of those right now and one of them is um, what we've been calling the north warner forest health projects and it's this series of basically taking this huge landscape leveraging tons of money with tons of partners, tons of landowners, and really focusing on treating an entire area to make sure that it's resilient to future fire. And it's really obviously quite relevant after after this year. Um, but we're kind of trying to, to focus on that ridgetop to ridgetop restoration like we talk about. So it's, it's, really tackling an entire landscape, thinning, preparing this forest for fire because we know it's coming and making sure that it's not going to be one that is uncontrollable and one that might actually be healthy for the forest. So that's been huge and that's been going on in the North Warner area. We're just about to move into the Thomas Creek area and then ultimately we'll continue to work uh, work north and we're um, kind of gathering data in the Summer Lake area right now. And so that's one of the big upland projects. And then we've got a huge stream and riparian project that is funded primarily through an organization called the Oregon Watershed Enhancement Board. And it's also known as OWEB. OWEB is funded by state lottery dollars. And that's where the confusion of us being a government agency versus a nonprofit really comes in because OWEB funds about 75% of our, our projects. And OWEB has an, uh, kind of started this new program called the Focused Investment Partnership or the FIP. And I apologize for all the acronyms because you can get lost. <laughs> it's but... okay. We're an FFA. We love a good acronym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, we're an true. FFA and we have to do our SAEs on our AET record book. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, the FIP is kind of that um, you know, landscape level project goal in that they, um, you know, a, a, gr- a big group of people have, including the Watershed Council and our partners, have applied for this funding that it carries us for about six years worth of um, fish passage projects in the Warner Basin. And it's a total of $6 million for the next six years. Wow. So it's a really great opportunity. It really provides a lot of stability as far as us being able to get to work and get contractors to work and really accomplish, like I keep saying, landscape level projects. Yeah. So one question I have, if you're covering these broad swaths of land, is it sometimes hard to get public land managers and private uh, land owners? Is it hard to get them to work together? So the Watershed Council, excuse me, the Watershed Council has been, been working i guess um we became an umbrella council in i want to say officially in 2003 and i'll have to check the date on that but um 
since we've become an umbrella, meaning until until then, there was a bunch of individual watershed councils even throughout the county. And by becoming an umbrella council where we manage the whole county, um, we were able to leverage more funding. We're able to get more done. And over since about 2003, our project managers and, and the group itself have just done a really good job in getting money, doing something good with the money. It works. Landowners are happy. Um, our, our funders who, who are looking to protect a resource such as native fish are happy. And uh, the councils kind of developed a, a good reputation in, in that, hey, if you give some money to the Watershed Council, they're going to do something really good with it. And it works. It doesn't just disappear or, or go into something that isn't logical and uh, proven. And that has given us a really great foot to stand on when it comes to working with our great partners. We've got a lot of people in these local agencies. We've worked with them for so many years now that um, they understand how we operate. We understand how they operate and we can leverage a lot of funding together. So Really, it, it's kind of an opportunity for all the groups involved to to kind of get something accomplished across an entire landscape. Yeah. So let's move into your time as North Lake FFA president now, and uh, you're in that group. I will be upon graduation. So, what did you enjoy most about your time as in, in FFA in general, but as North Lake president? <laughs> I kind of laughed when I saw this on our outline of, <laughs> of topics because. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll be able to talk about that. And then I realized, wow, I that's been a little longer than I <laughs> thought it was. I, I kind of thought uh, that those memories would come back Gotta to me. Got to rejog your memory a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of had to stick deep. But uh, no, I, I as an adult, I actually appreciate SSA more than I I did as, as a student. Um, I, I think what I enjoyed the most, and like I said, this is – as as an as an adult looking back is the real life skills that FFA gave me. I look back at job interviews, I look back at the job that I have now. Um fortunately my my degree in college definitely helps, but at the same time I look back at, you know, job interviews, public speaking, we use parliamentary procedure in our council meetings, things like that. I learned through FFA and, and it wasn't the general education where I got those skills. So I definitely enjoyed that looking back. <laughs> yeah. Right before we had our sale, um, I was put on the, uh, the sale committee for fair, the market sale committee. And Mr. Walden always warned me if you do it in real life, that they're not going to follow the rules. And when I got there, people were like, I make a motion to do this, this. And it's like, that's not how you do that at all. <laughs> and then they didn't even have debate on it. They immediately vote. And I told you, Justin, to tell your dad or teach your dad how to do that correctly yeah. for the next meeting. <laughs> hey, Colleen, did or... you did you, uh, did you attend National Convention or uh, Washington Leadership Conference, any of those? So I never made it to National Convention. I can't remember, can't remember why. I don't know if we ever went when we were in in high school but i did have the opportunity to attend washington leadership conference and that was definitely hands down my my most favorite experience i think up till now that i went not last year but the year before and i think that it's probably in the top five weeks of my life it was it was pretty fun it's pretty special yeah it's pretty neat to kind of see see where where it all happens so yeah 
So what kind of things did you do? Were you more into the soil judging shop skill side of it with CDEs or were you more into um, taking a steer to fair or did you get into the public speaking and the leadership events? I got plenty of uh, shop skills and soils being Jeff Hunt's daughter in, <laughs> uh, in Silver Lake and on a small family ranch. So, uh, so I did tend to lean towards um, the public speaking, the parliamentary procedure, and, and kind of the other secretari- secretarial uh, uh, responsibilities and duties. And it's it's funny how I've kind of followed that pattern throughout my life. But it was definitely those events that that kind of set the fa- set that foundation. So I definitely yeah was more into the public speaking, but I, I will say what I loved about like shop skills and soils and things like that was it really gave a lot of applicable, um, things for, for a lot of students to do that. Maybe you had no interest, no other interest in any part of school, but because they got to be a part of FFA shop skills or FFA soils, they showed up, got good grades and, and they got to, kind of do something of their actual interest, more of that kind of, you know, trade, that trade work and that trade education. So that was kind of fun to be a part of too. Yeah. So Colleen, were you one of the officers that I recruited to be a secretary? And then I told you they run the chapter and do all the work and being a president's just kind of being a figurehead. Were you one of those students? (laughs) Um, Possibly, you know, like I said, it was a long time ago, but (laughs) yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. You've been saying that your memory isn't uh, completely covering your FFA years, but what is your overall <laughs> favorite FFA memory? That might be a hard well, question. Well, no, that that would for sure be. You'd think it would be um, an experience or a, or a funny memory or something. But, yeah, I, I think Washington Leadership Conference was, was really fun. Um, even though Mr. Walden dressed like a forest ranger the entire trip, we you still – yeah, we hey, took him hey, to. Khaki <laughs> never goes out of style. <laughs> so we um, getting to see Washington D.C. is an experience I think every American should have. Uh, first I agree. of all, yeah. Okay, uh, I forgot about that. I wore my khaki pants and I was wearing a like a dark khaki <laughs> green shirt in D.C. and everybody thought I was a tour guide and and part of the park ranger service people. I forgot all about that. It must. It uh, probably wasn't 105 degrees when you guys were there then, because when we were. It was pretty warm. Oh. I, I remember thinking that, yeah, why we were kind of looking forward to getting back to the high desert. But uh, the, the real highlight of the trip was we got to go down to Norfolk and uh, tour the USS Enterprise, which is probably to, the, to date one of the best experiences I've ever had. And I remember telling my husband that oh yeah, I remember we toured this, the USS Enterprise and his jaw dropped and <laughs> wanted to know every detail of it. And I was like, yeah, I was 17. I guess I wasn't really that into it. And then looking back, I'm thinking that was, that was really something that, that does not happen every day. So I was thankful that we got to have that experience. Yeah, that uh, was, on top of it. that was quite a tour. And some people might not know, but my brother, he works in the Navy and he's a big wig and he took us after hours onto the USS Enterprise took us all the way up to the bridge and that was quite a tour. Yeah. And I remember, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the deck itself of the ship was, was like four acres or, or it, it was, Holy I mean, cow. Air, it was, I don't, it was I, acreage. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably uncultured, but is it an aircraft carrier? Yeah. Yes. I, okay. I believe so. Is that right? 
Mr. Walder? Yes, it's the uh, it's an aircraft mm -hmm. carrier, and I think it was it like 20 stories tall. I mean, it's amazing how high up in the air we were, and looking down on the ocean is like this is frightening to think how big this this ship is. So. Yeah, very very long. It was it was a really neat neat experience, and we we got to go kind of see some of the other East Coast um, you know hot spots and and uh, whatnot. But the the USS Enterprise that was pretty dang pretty dang neat. Yeah. I know one thing that I found funny when we were in D.C. is, like, you walk into the Library of Congress and everybody's like, Thomas Jefferson's Library, what is that? And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is, like, <laughs> the founding the founding books of our country. What influenced that? And you're just looking the other way, so. <laughs> well, that's, um, I know my husband, I remember telling him about that experience. And I said, we should go to Washington, D.C. sometime because he's never been. And and I kind of explained to him, no, every American should go see it, and, and it's, even more so, you know, where we're on election day here and and no matter what's going on in the nation, there is some really there's a there's a special feeling you get when you are in Washington, D.C. There's so much history. Uh, there's so much that it stands for good and bad. And and um, I really believe in in the military and support the military. And I think looking back it was really neat to see some of the war memorials above anything yes, and really powerful and you know just it, it was i remember there was this huge rainstorm when we were kind of touring them and it was it was beautiful it was just it was really a neat experience i i'm i remember it to to this day even though it was very long ago <laughs> yeah and for those who haven't been there if you're listening and you plan on going go look at everything at night too don't just look at it in the day because it's it, yes. I think it's almost cooler at night because all the lights and the way that it's displayed. Hey, I just pulled out this new device they've come up with called a cell phone, a smartphone. And the USS Enterprise is 20 stories above the waterline and 4.5 acres on the flight deck. So wow. good call okay. on that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought I remembered. Huh, that is crazy. Well, anyway, I think that about wraps up the podcast. So thank you for coming up for coming on, Colleen. I think Mr. Walden and I probably both learned something about the Watershed Council, and it was fun to visit with you about WLC. Uh, so thank you for coming on. We would love to have you back. And you can find you've been listening to the Cowboy Talk podcast, and it can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Please leave us a five star review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, so that we can be found by new listeners. And also share this with all your friends, whether it's social media or by word of mouth, so that we can grow our audience. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.